Many Mania hits Philadelphia. According to many reports, the Phillies are in hot pursuit of the Orioles' slugger. What are their chances to land Machado? Chase Sutley announces his retirement at the end of the season, the third Philly in the week to do so. We'll break down some of his top moments. All this and more on Phillies Nation, episode 46. halfway through the Phillies season officially and unofficially at this point as we are now in the all-star break and the Philadelphia Phillies are in first place sole possession of first place in the National League East not a usual situation for the Phillies the last several years but it's really nice to see the Phillies uh, hold that number one spot even with that tough loss in Miami on Sunday, where they managed to give up 10 unanswered runs to uh, lose to the Miami Marlins. Uh, the Atlanta Braves, meanwhile, picked up another victory, and they are now one half game out to first place. Small lead, but the Phillies have a lead heading into the All-Star break. And, of course, the Phillies will be represented at the All-Star game by Aaron Nola on the mound, and in the home run derby by Reese Hoskins. Recent years, the non-All-Stars have been taking part in the Home Run Derby. But the big story is that Manny Machado supposedly will be traded soon, according to the various reports. And supposedly, the Philadelphia Phillies are one of the main contenders to acquire Machado and trade from the Baltimore Orioles. So to talk about this, there's been nobody around who has been following Manny Mania more than Tim Kelly of Phillies Nation. What's up, Tim Kelly? Uh, I, I was thinking today, Frank, that we're, we're close to a resolution on this. We've been talking about this, it feels like, for five years now. And then the more that I thought about it, I'm kidding myself if I think next month we're not going to be talking about Manny Machado. Whether he's in Philly or not in Philly, we'll be talking about the chances of him being signed or re-signed in the offseason. So I think we're just getting started. So what do you think that was the kind of the reason behind all these reports along the way? Along the way, it seemed like they kept saying, well, you know, we're not going to give up all of that for somebody who we maybe can sign anyway. And, you know, the Phillies aren't really expected to contend. So do you want to do that? Uh, what do you think the status is right now? Are the Phillies willing to to be bold, uh, to use their catchphrase, in a situation like this? And are they still not believing that they can contend? I think there is an element of them. And Jason Stark said a few weeks ago that they wanted to wait and see where they are. Well, they're at the All-Star break now. And not only are they in the playoff picture, they're leading the division. If they were leading a wild card, you'd be a little more hesitant because you can be out in one game. If you get Manny Machado... The National League's wide open, and whoever wins the National League, they'll probably lose in the World Series. And that might sound like we're getting ahead of ourselves, but if the Phillies get Manny Machado, they're in a very good situation. I think some of the reports along the way that said uh, they weren't going to give up players A and players B, I think they were true. I don't think they will give up Scott Kingery or Sixto Sanchez, nor should they. Uh, So I think there was an element of posturing there. I think there was an element of 
that was true, that the Phillies were going to be involved, but then they ultimately decide or we're in a situation where they're thinking we're not going to give up a ton knowing he can be a free agent at the end of the year. I really, truly believe that something about the Yankees reportedly getting involved scared them a little bit because this has been their target for years now, probably predating the Matt Clentock era. And the idea of him going to New York, getting to play with Judge, Sanchez, Stanton, Torres for a season, they could win the World Series this year. If not, they're certainly going to be in the playoffs competing for one. It's hard to imagine him leaving if he goes there at all. So I think that idea scared them a bit because the Yankees, as we know, are capable of uh, competing with the Phillies financially. And in fact, that's uh, something you wrote an article about this week. You know, if he goes to the Yankees, you seem to think that he would re-sign with the Yankees. Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts. Um, obviously, D.D. Gregorius is at shortstop right now. Andrew Hart is at third, although there were reports they're not as high on him. Um, maybe they convinced Manny Machado to stay at third. I think he'd have to play third the rest of this season. After this season, though, D.D. Gregorius will be in the final year of his contract or before he can become a free agent. So if it comes down to it, do I think that they would move him for a pitcher if it meant that they can sign Manny Machado at his peak to play shortstop? Probably. But, I mean, in any event, I think him going to the biggest market, going to a t- from a team that's 40 games under 500 to a team that looks like they'd be a super team with him, it's just tough to imagine. There were a lot of reports prior to the beginning of the season that he wants to play in a giant market. He's obviously spent his whole career in that division having to play against the Yankees. Not too many players go to the Yankees, and the Yankees decide that they want to re-sign them, and they leave. Like I, I, I just don't see a lot of precedent for that. So I think him going there would be especially worrisome to the Phillies. So then what's to stop him from going to the Yankees after playing with the Phillies down the stretch? Do you think the Phillies, if they still get Machado for right now and he walks away as a free agent, is that a failure of the team? Well, I mean, they, in theory, could win a World Series, so I guess in that case it wouldn't be a failure. But short of that, I would say it probably is. There's nothing to stop it. They'll have a great pitch this offseason. I've talked to a lot of people, um, just not in the sport, but just people um, in the media industry where we've gone back and forth about, well, if he comes here, there's no way he's leaving. The Phillies can offer him 350 375 He can go to free agency, and the Phillies will still offer him that, but maybe the Yankees will. Maybe the Dodgers will. There will be a whole host of teams doing that. I just think the Yankees have a drastic advantage if he goes there and plays for a few months, realizes what it's like to be a Yankee in the thick of a postseason run. Um, They're going to have a good pitch no matter what. They're going to have a good pitch for years because they have a stacked team. Brian Cashman's done a tremendous job. But I think there is something to if he comes to Philadelphia, gets to be the man here, gets to compete here, I think there's something to that. Now, there's not something so much that I want to give up Sixto Sanchez to assure that that happens. But with the Phillies in much better position than we expected them to be at this time, I think parting with more than you might have been comfortable with at the beginning of the season, that makes sense. Because not only does he spend a few months in Philadelphia, he doesn't spend a few months in New York. Do you think that that Philadelphia remains an attractive place for players to play? Because, you know, the Philadelphia Phillies, at one time, they were able to attract Cliff Lee back. They were able to make a trade for Roy Halladay and re-sign him. Do you think Philadelphia still has that allure? I think it has an allure to Manny Machado. The connections to the front office have been well noted. The Phillies are reportedly 
comfortable with playing him at shortstop. John Middleton wants to spend a ton of money. They're a team that's already in first place now. The Braves are going to be really good. The Nationals, I don't think, are going to go away, but they're going to have to retool. The Mets and Marlins are disasters right now. So you kind of have a much clearer path than the National League being able to win. So if you have that, you have a big market, not as big as New York or L.A., but still a big market, and a place that's willing to pay you probably as well or even better than anywhere else. I think it's hard to say that that's not an attractive place. And Cliff Lee spent three months here, was traded to Seattle. I'm sure he wasn't happy about that. Ended up in Texas that year where he competed for a World Series and still ultimately took less overall money than the Yankees or the Rangers were offering to come back here. So I think there is something to playing in Philadelphia for a few months, uh, and that would be part of the pitch to Machado. Another part is that there's just a lot going for the Phillies right now. And certainly plenty of former Orioles front office with the Phillies, including Joe Jordan, who signed him, Matt Klintak, and Andy McPhail. Now, down in Baltimore today, after a rain delay, Machado was removed from the game, and Rich Kabatko of um, of Masson Sports he says this. Uh, manager Buck Showalter said, "I think we're all adults here, some more than others, right? We know what's going on, the potential. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that was all it." <laughs> so, so in other words, Buck Showalter, the manager of the Orioles, is even taking players out because it looks like they're trying to maximize trade potential. Now. There, we know in the past there's been several situations where the Orioles front office or perhaps Orioles ownership has uh, kind of curtailed a trade the last minute uh, last year perhaps uh, that that would have uh, been with the uh, Houston Astros to send their closer there, Zach Britton, and that was said to fall through perhaps because of the uh, ownership sort of vetoing it at the last minute. Do you think there's a chance that no trade gets done here? I think it's very unlikely, but is there a 0% chance? I wouldn't say that. I would say it's pretty unlikely, though, because teams appear to be increasing their offers. There's enough interested contenders. There is the problem, I think, that the Orioles have where they just have too many cooks in the kitchen. I think that's going to have to be sorted out this offseason. The Buck Showalter thing's interesting because his contract as a manager is up at the end of this year, but there's been speculation about him moving to the front office for a long time. So not only is he protecting the team that he could manage, he's protecting the team he could be an executive for in the future. And if Manny Machado gets hurt right now, they'd be screwed. All they would get is draft compensation. So there's a lot to work with. There's a lot of moving parts. You have Brady Anderson, Dan Duquette. You have three Angeloses involved now. I do think that it was pretty embarrassing for them not moving Zach Britton last year and then having him tear his Achilles uh, this offseason. It might work out all right. It seems like they're going to be able to trade him. But I don't think they want that level of embarrassment. I think everyone, like Buck Schultz, said it's adults and knows what the situation is. Manny Machado's not coming back there after this season. So I think that they need to make a move. And I think that whether it's with the Phillies, the Yankees, the Brewers, whoever, I think it's going to happen. So let's talk for a second then about what the Phillies might have to give up for Manny Machado. Now, we talked about the untouchables, the Scott Kingeries, the uh, Sixto Sanchez's. Uh, some people had said Aniel de los Santos is, is kind of out of the deal at this point. He's, the Phillies would rather keep him. Of course, that was before he got shelled in the fifth inning today. Uh, but what do you think a realistic trade looks like, and what will the Phillies send to the Orioles in this trade? 
I think that part's tough to tell because if push comes to shove and they want Daniel De Los Santos, I don't think they're going to not move him and risk losing Machado. But, yeah, you're right. They probably would prefer not to do that. So Adonis Medea has been a name that's mentioned, uh, the Phillies' number two overall pitching prospect. And he's a good prospect, but he's a disc number two to six. So Sanchez, the Phillies have a lot of good young arms in their OT now. Of course, headlined by Aaron Knoll, who's still only 25. Um, so there's that. They, there's been interest in J.P. Crawford. I think Ken Rosenthal reported that. Franklin Kilome, Ranger Suarez, Jalen Ortiz, uh, and even Michael Franco and Aaron Altair in theory could be on the table. It's going to be, I would think, four or five different pieces moved. It's a question then of who those four or five different pieces are. Um, and Arceus, uh, Archimedes, excuse me, Gamboa, the number eight overall prospect, I guess is another name that could potentially be involved. So I think it's tough to tell. I think by the end of this week, A, there could be a trade completed. But I think during the All-Star break, we'll have a better idea because Buster only reported today the Orioles feel they're on the 10-yard line. So there's the names that are on the table. It's going to have to be trimmed down to the names that are would be involved in a potential deal if the Phillies are going to be one of the teams uh, that would potentially complete one of those deals. So I think we'll have a better idea in the next few days. Now, one report had the Phillies trying to get perhaps the aforementioned Zach Britton at the same exact time. Do you think that's a possibility for the Phillies to do? Yeah, again, it's kind of like the not trading Machado. I don't think it's impossible, but I think it's pretty unlikely because there's two separate markets. It's not like Zach Britton's a guy with a bad contract that they're still productive, but they're kind of trying to push out the door. He's had a very good month of July so far. There's always teams that need... uh, left-handed relief pitchers or closers if they want to use him in that role, continue using him in that role. So I think they're going to be separate. There's been a couple different reports since then that they would prefer to move them separately. I think, again, Ken Rosenthal was one of those reports. I forget who the other one was. But uh, I would think they're going to be moved separately, and it, it would just it would take a ton to get those two. And with both of them being rentals, it would be a tough, tough uh, trade to pull off. And then You have to re-sign both of them this offseason for it to be worth it. So Machado or no Machado, what might the Phillies also add at this trade deadline? I think they're going to add a reliever in some form, although it's it's unclear exactly what that form is going to be. They've gotten Pat Neshek back. They've gotten a Dubray Ramos back. Luis Garcia shouldn't be far behind after the All-Star break. So in theory, they could just add another guy like a Craig Stammen who is just a, having a very good year. He can pitch kind of wherever you need him to. But they've been connected to Zach Britton. They've been connected to Yuri Spermilia of the Mets, who uh, he doesn't necessarily have great postseason experience, but he has postseason experience nonetheless. Um, they've been connected to guys like that. So I think that's a position. Backup catchers become less of a need because Andrew Knapp's gotten hot. They may just stand pat with the outfielders. Now, if they don't get Machado, they could get a swing guy. Um, Whit Merrifield might end up pricing himself out, but someone that can play corner infield and right field potentially. Um, in the end, though, I think in right field, you're going to have to hope that Aaron Altair gets it together in the second half. So in other words, there's Manny, and then there is really not a lot to figure out until you get Manny or not get Manny. Is that kind of what you're saying? Right, and I, I think that's been all indications that Manny's the domino waiting to drop, and until that deal gets done, it's really going to be hard for any other major trades to be completed. Familia, for example, they're waiting for Manny and 
Zach Brit or they're waiting for Britain, who's waiting on Manny, and potentially they could be involved. So there's a lot of moving parts. And until that Manny Machado deal gets done, it's going to be hard for the rest of the market to develop. Now, I think it will develop pretty quickly afterwards because whether the Phillies get him, the Yankees get Machado, the Brewers get Machado, the rest of these teams are still going to be contending teams, so they're going to be desperate to kind of find what their pivot is, and some of the names we've mentioned could potentially be those pivots. One more thing. There was a report earlier today that Phillies president John Middleton – Right, who's been the first face of the presidency of the Phillies uh, from the ownership group? In a, pardon me, he's not the president; he's the owner. Um, but the president has always been the face of the ownership group. Uh, we, we haven't really seen the owners in the past, and John Middleton seems to want to make a splash. And there was a report that said he could go after both Manny Machado and Bryce Harper in the off season. Now that's a big statement. So, just curious to your thoughts. Again. <laughs> Not impossible. I wouldn't put it at 0%, but I think it's pretty unlikely. And for all the discussion we've had about Bryce Harper, I I feel like there's this growing sense that he might just stay in D.C. But if he seriously considers other options, he has L.A., he has Chicago, he is – I mean, the Yankees would have to make some giant move in their outfield potentially, but they could be in the picture. So I think it's pretty unlikely. And the other thing is you're going to have to put on the full-court press to get one of these guys – the idea of being able to do it for both at the same time, that's difficult for me. I don't think it's like as terrible of an idea as some people would lead you to think because the Phillies have the financial flexibility to do it. And even if you lose out on being able to re-sign some of your other guys, are they really going to be better players than Manny Machado or Bryce Harper? Probably not. And both of these guys would sign deals that are eight or ten years or whatever, but there's going to be opt-outs between age 29 and 32 where at that point you could say, look, it's been great. Hopefully in that time period they've won a World Series, but we're not going to be able to keep maybe either, but certainly not both of you guys past this. So there would be a lot of moving parts to it. With either of them, I don't think there's a ton of risk, and I guess with both of them, if that scenario actually presented itself, there's not a ton of risk that they're going to fall off in the time you have them. At worst, you have them from age 26 to 35, and these are two Hall of Fame caliber uh, talent. So <laughs> there's a lot. I, I Even I didn't picture this discussion taking place, but I'm sure it's not the last we'll hear of it. And until then, we have plenty to talk about with this trade deadline. Tim Kelly, thank you very much for joining us, and we will catch you next time. Thanks, Frank. We'll be back after this to talk about another 2008 world champion retirement. If you're interested in advertising on our podcast, send an email to brian at philliesnation.com. Again, that is brian at philliesnation.com. So when you hear that music, what else can you think but none other than Chase Utley? Yeah, believe it or not, that was not his first walk-up music. He actually used to come up to the Venga Bus. Anybody remember the Venga Bus? And uh, there was actually a fan group uh, for Chase Utley uh, named the Venga Bus. And and I remember back in the day, it was a producer, I believe, from Sports Talk 950 AM that was leading that group. Or maybe he was an intern there or something like that. But I, I remember hearing that story 
listening to them way, way, way back in the day, <laughs> which has to be, I don't know, 10 years ago at this point. Uh, but speaking of 10 years ago, uh, Chase Utley is one of the 2008 World Series champion Phillies, and we got the news this week that he is going to retire, not now, but at the end of the season. So sort of to recap uh, a good Chase Utley ca- Phillies career, uh, we're going to bring on Kevin Durso of of Sports Talk Philly and 97.3 ESPN. What's going on, Kevin? Not much. How are you, Frank? Doing great. So so first and foremost, what was your reaction when you heard that Chase Utley was calling a press conference rather suddenly the other day? What, what came to mind right away? Pretty much what the exact topic of conversation ended up being retirement. He's just that private kind of guy, and he admitted it right after the press conference started that he doesn't do this a whole lot. He's not a guy to get in front of the media, so it was pretty unusual to see him call a press conference to make some sort of announcement. I think the only question at the time was, is he the type of guy who is going to look at that kind of announcement and know, have that kind of decision and call it quits effective immediately, or was he going to finish out the season? It was just a matter of how much longer, but it really was no surprise that this was coming, and just a matter of trying to figure out how long he was going to have left, whether it was effective immediately or for the rest of the season. Now, I know a lot of Phillies fans, they were kind of hoping it would be immediately because something's going on in just a couple weeks around that 2008 Phillies team, and he's not going to be there, which is quite unfortunate. Uh, but, but yeah, so at least sticking around to the end of the year, he essentially walks away from one more year he was under contract for but he is going to make that move forward. Now, we still haven't gotten those announcements from his teammates, Jimmy Rollins and Ryan Howard, but since this seems to be happening a lot lately, who knows? Maybe that will happen before we see them in Philadelphia in a month. So let's think back to Chase Utley's career. Now, if you had to, to, to pick one, we'll try to get you to pick the one that's on the top of your head first, but if you had to pick one moment that you think really defined Chase Utley's career, what would that be? I'd have to say it's the throw. It's the throw in Game 5 of the World Series just because it was that type of play where his smarts just came through so so clearly and the fact that he was seemed to be a step ahead of everybody else in that part of the game, the mental part of the game. There were players around him who were physically different styles than he was and you look how well he was complimented by jimmy rollins by ryan howard and their different styles of play and their different personalities within a clubhouse as well but the fact that his smarts and his preparation were so far ahead of a lot of different players i don't think anybody realized how 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 prepared he was in game situations until roy halliday got to the phillies and, and there was another player who had a similar work ethic and preparation and mentality to the game that's just a play that changes the whole outlook of that entire game because you look at a play like that, does he make the play if he goes to first? Who knows? If he doesn't make the play going to first, the runner's probably still coming home. If the runner scores, then the Phillies are trailing. It changes the whole outlook of the game going forward. Instead, they come out of it with this great play, very enthusiastic type of play because it raises the level of the energy in the ballpark at the time. And he's able to he's it's, he's probably one of the only guys on that team who's able to make that kind of play. And it's why he, his career is so defined by that play, because he's one of the only guys who probably could make that play. And everybody else around him, even though they're stunned for a moment and then kind of there's that realization, wait, this is Chase Utley we're talking about. This is a guy who prepares so well and knows the game and knows 
the right play to make and seems to always put himself in position to make that play. It really kind of comes across as no surprise that he's able to pull that off, but it's that, that's that play. That, that play defines him and his career. It's kind of funny to talk about a defensive play defining the career in Philadelphia of a second baseman that hits so well, but really I think it's that defensive play that makes all the difference. Now, speaking of hitting so well, let's let's look a year ahead of that in the 2009 World Series. He hit a couple home runs for that World Series, uh, five to be exact. Is that correct? Yeah. So, uh, so Tim Kelly, I noticed, was tweeting the other day that he thought there could be an argument made for him to be MVP, even though they lost. Now, I'm not sure I agree with him there, but um, was that MVP his if, if they won that World Series? Absolutely. No question about it. I don't think that the 2009 World Series had the pitching that the 08 had with Cole Hamels. I don't think you can look at that series and have a guy who stood out. Cliff Lee was great in that series, but you look at what Utley did, I think it trumped that somehow. I think Utley actually probably had the better series among anybody on his own team, for sure. And if they would have found a way to win game six force a game seven you know who knows what happens if they win that series there's a pretty good chance that we're talking about chase utley as a world series mvp so when you look back on his career and he never wins a most valuable player award he certainly made some all-star games including some that were among his profanity uh public profanity moments certainly uh but you know, what do you think that the non-Philadelphia baseball fan thinks of Chase Utley? Now, he was embroiled in a little bit of controversy there when he slid into second base and ultimately broke Ruben Tejada's uh, leg. I don't think that was an intentional thing to break his leg, but you know, he always slid hard into second base. Uh, but but you know, when you look around the league, what do you think people outside of Philadelphia think of Chase Utley? Everything included, including that moment when he was playing the New York Mets in the playoffs? It's kind of tough to say what his perception is going to be just because there's people, so many people who kind of remember the most recent thing that comes up, and that's such a recent thing that they look at him and they go, that's that's a dirty play. You shouldn't be doing that. He should have been suspended for a stretch of the series or whatever. And that kind of thing kind of mars the rest of his career, which as long as – he was playing in Philadelphia. There was nothing more to it than hard baseball. He just played the game the right way. Everybody seemed to think that. The perception outside of Philadelphia among players was certainly that he he was the type of guy that you had to pay attention to at all times because he played so hard. And the, the fact that he had Charlie Manuel on his side the whole time too, Charlie Manuel make, kind of making that comment after a home plate collision of his saying that's not old school, it's good school. It's how you play the game. And he kind of had that endorsement from day one from his own manager. So that kind of – I think that that's more about his style than anything is that he just went out and played hard. And I think people, especially uh, outside of Philadelphia, when he got to the Dodgers too, and there's players out there who had played against him, start to see the preparation that he has for the game and the way that he was such an – he was very – cognizant of all the notes they had to take and mental notes and the mentality and everything like that that's more i think of what the perception of him should be is that he was such a student of the game throughout his entire career even as a part-time player as he called it once he got to la so i i think that should be what he's remembered for is how studious he was and how focused he was day in and day out so i think it's probably and you know we're probably going to talk about this at, at greater 
depth next week when Chase Utley comes back to town and and maybe who knows maybe maybe we see a Manny Machado trade before then and the we have the All-Star game in between uh but but in a week Chase Utley comes back to town and there'll probably be a lot of discussion now now that he's made his announcement is he a Hall of Famer now I noticed Rob Motti of the Associated Press tweet that he plans to vote for Chase Utley as a Hall of Famer so what is your unbiased, uh, best as possible, pretending that you didn't watch him play in Philadelphia every single day for, for all those years. Do you think Chase Utley is a Hall of Famer? I'd like to think that he could be. I don't think he will be. The reasoning behind that is mainly how much everything comes down to numbers in that situation. If we look at Chase Utley, the, the player from the eye test, the way he hustled throughout throughout games, the way that he played hard all the time in his preparation, we'd sit there and say that this is a guy who put so much into the game that, yes, he's a Hall of Fame caliber player in those aspects. When, when it comes down to the numbers of it, for a five, six to six-year stretch, he was one of the best hitting players in baseball at any position, not just among second basemen. He could hit for power. He could hit for contact. He drove in upwards of 90 to 100 runs every year for extra that time and then the injury started to set in and when the injury started to set in he just wasn't playing as often to sustain those kind of numbers and you look at those kind of things and people are so heavy on the numbers sometimes that i wonder if that's going to get in his way of being a potential hall of famer for that five to six year stretch he had hall of fame quality numbers to back up everything else that went into it the character the integrity of the game his focus on the game everything of that nature qualifies in my mind it's it's strictly going to come down to whether people think that the numbers especially in that sample size of about 2005 to 2010 is that enough to give him a case to make the hall of fame i just don't know just because in comparison to other second basemen who start making that jump and being elected to the hall of fame ryan sandberg Roberto Alomar, Jeff Ken is a guy who's been in discussion at least. Um, you look at guys like that, his numbers for a career don't necessarily match up, even though he had better seasons as an individual or as, as good or better than all of them. Yeah, and unfortunately, too, I think the fact that he played second base kind of works against him. You know, if you look throughout the history of baseball and what it took for, for say, a Ryan Sandberg to make the Hall of Fame, uh, you know, you might you might start to see some similarities there. Although Sandberg certainly was a little bit higher profile at the time, but but really, what big name second basemen stand out in the in the history of baseball? There really are not so many. So, be very interesting to see. It looks like you have to go to a lot of uh, advanced statistics and a lot of sabermetric statistics to really show where Utley kind of stood out. Uh, but but I think you're right in that the reality is not a lot of the voters are going to. Uh, maybe share those same thoughts. You know, the you know the numbers that stick out to to a lot of people's minds still are three thousand hits. While Chase Sutley did not hit that mark, but you know we've seen similarly recently. You know, as as Jack Morris waited to get to the the Hall of Fame, some people were not even convinced when people hit those particular plateaus. So it's been a very difficult decision uh, for a lot of voters in recent times, and and just the fact that there's. All this discussion probably means there will be some that do not necessarily uh, want to vote uh, for for a Chase Utley out there, uh, and really any any voter can vote whatever they want. So 
who knows? I think this is something that 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 that. Um, hey, let me ask you this: Do you think he'll get enough on the on the ballots to kind of hang in there for for several years on the ballot? I think he's got an interesting argument that will allow him to stick around, certainly beyond his first year on there, and possibly more. I think he he deserves a chance to be on there for a little while. And I think one thing that needs to come into consideration about that discussion is who he's up against when that time comes five years from now when the voting starts and and he's a first ballot player in that voting process are there guys on the ballot who are going to be clear-cut decisions for voters that they go in on the first ballot guys like this past year you look at a guy like jim tomey or chipper jones is, is there are there guys on the ballot in his first year that are that obvious to go in that may allow him to, that may have him fall completely off the radar before he gets a fair shot. Or are there guys who are worth discussion? There's not as many obvious picks on the ballot that particular year. And he gets a, enough votes to hang in there a little bit. And maybe there's a year that comes up where he's one of the more obvious choices among the players that are up for selection. That's probably his best case scenario. I would say. Yeah. So 75% of voters need to include him on the ballot there, but They have a limit of people that they can vote for, which always seems to keep some people out of the conversation. So, so Kevin, thank you for taking a few minutes to chat some Chase Utley with us, and we hope to catch up with you again. Absolutely. My pleasure. And that'll do it for this week's podcast. It's been a pleasure hanging with you. My name is Frank Close. Check us out at philliesnation.com, sportstalkphilly.com, and 97.3. ESPN.com. Enjoy the all-star break, and who knows, maybe we'll be back with a special podcast with some news.